guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Oxford Holy Club. I am joined this evening, or whatever time you're enjoying this, by Lucas Candy. Lucas, how are you this evening? Last night, I went to bed at 8.30, and I am right as rain today, let me tell you. That's amazing. I went to bed at 7.30. I was... Seriously? Yeah, no joke. No joke. <laughs> it, it, it was my day off. Um, everybody was tired by the time we went to bed, and I was away all weekend, um, if you'd listened to last week's episode, that for me, um, for the people listening now, if you listen to last week's episode, I'm rec- how am I going to pull this one off? How can I figure out the time dilation here? <laughs> Only a couple of days have really passed since that event. So my throat is sore. I've lost my voice kind of, and I'm still tired from that. All that to say, I went to bed at 730. I woke up at three o'clock, extremely well rested. <laughs> That was a problem. Too, too well rested? Um, I was able to go back to sleep. Uh, and then I think I woke up at 5.30 and then 6 to stay, something like that. Anyway, I say all that to say I'm still tired today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're you're rested, ready, raring? Yeah, you know, I've reached the age where when I get like super tired, I'm like, I'm going to bed super early. And, and I've never once regretted it. Like the next day and like the rest of the week, usually it sets you up to succeed. You know what? You're right, Lucas. There's definitely probably a lesson in that. Um, all right. Well, why don't we get into the episode, Lucas? There's some hard hitting questions for us to, to discuss, as there always is. And uh, this one comes from Yahoo Answers, as they do. And it says this. Does walking around on tippy toes build calf muscles? Now, the story, Lucas, is this. this. Here's the context. So I walk naturally around tippy toes whenever I don't have shoes on because of my fear of stepping on something sharp, like a nail. Thanks, Home Alone. You scared me for life. Oh, no, scarred me for life. Sorry. And I have somewhat larger calves than all my friends And I'm not much of a runner, but I'm faster than 90% of my friends. So I was wondering if walking around on my tippy toes for most of my life has given me stronger calves. That is certainly an interesting question. I mean, it'll give you uh, stronger resiliency against being made fun of probably because I don't know how people aren't giving you a hard time for tiptoeing around all over the place. But I mean... Like it would, I would think. Like I'm, I'm, I'm tiptoeing right now as I sit down, and I feel like it is working my, whatever you know, calf muscles or whatever. And actually, I, when I read this question, you know, five minutes ago, I uh, I remembered that Skechers used to have these weird shoes out, and they were all about like toning while you walked, and and the I think the idea was, um, like they they were they were the sole was made weird, which made you kind of like. Use more muscles to walk in them. Basically, they are poorly made shoes that made you work harder to walk, and theoretically, you would lose weight. And they like promise, like, oh, you'll lose, you know, five to ten pounds just by wearing these shoes. And I think it was later debunked, but it was like all the rage for a little while, anyway. Okay, well, uh, so I, I mean, I have a lot of questions when I looked at this question. This person says they naturally walk around tippy toe. So this isn't like, you know, you're sitting at your desk or table right now, you know, tippy-toeing. Um, but this person in their natural state, when they are shoeless, walk around in tippy-toes. Does that not seem weird to you? It seems extremely weird to me. I just, I can't. See, they, they mention it like it's this like funny little quirk, but I don't know how everyone in their life hasn't sat them down and say like, listen, you got to stop it with the tippy toe. Like you're not going to step on a nail. Like you got it. That the, the fear of the nail thing, I think is the kind of the, the real thing here. Like I, I get it. Like, I mean, I've all, well, we've all been somewhat traumatized by home alone, but I mean, never walking around <laughs> on your flat feet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, but <clears throat> you make a good point. Why haven't people pointed this out to, to the person that's asking the question? Because how long have you and I known each other, Lucas? Um, Ten years? No, it's been more than that. Um, Awkward. Well, that's okay. It's probably been, I want to say, like 14 years. 
Thank Wowzers. You. Yeah, maybe. Our friendship can almost drive. <laughs> almost. Uh, our, our friendship definitely has acne. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but in all that time, Lucas, and I would, I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not looking for you to reciprocate this, but I would say that you're probably one of my best, better friends. Someone that I... I, uh, I, I, re- I reciprocate that. Oh, thank goodness. But, and I receive that. Um, but for all the times that you and I, we've been roommates, we've traveled together, we've done all kinds of things, I have never, ever compared our calves Okay, so <laughs> that's a good point. So these friends are so close that they actually compare the size of their calves. And despite the fact that this person's not even a runner, this group of friends, this person's in the 90th percentile. Is that how that works? Like, well, that would mean that he have at least, you know, 10 friends and he's compared. So he's only got one, you know, beefy calf friend. <laughs> beef calf. Anyway, uh, beefy calf friend who kind of out out calves them. But yeah, I I couldn't. To be honest, um, I could not pull your calves out of a lineup. If you gave me two random calves that were of equal hairiness, I sorry man, I couldn't pick out yours. Well, you know what? Maybe this question is really a um, a moo point, <laughs> like a cow's opinion or something. <laughs> I, I think it's weird that this person walks around on their tippy toes. I think it's weird that their friends know this, you know, could recognize the size of, of their calves. Um, but I guess that's not the question. The question they're asking is, does it make their calves stronger? And you seem to have said that, yes, in fact, uh, Skechers, not a sponsor, has, has geared shoes towards this in the past. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted shoes that helped me not lose weight. They were the ones with the wheels in them, you know, but whatever. Yes. Um, and then the last thing is this, this person has a fear of stepping on something sharp like a nail, but does, does the probability go down as you walk on your tippy toes? I mean, like less, well, less surface area, I suppose. Less surface area, but I mean, Think of it this way. If you're going to step on a nail with your foot, which there's no good real way to do that, but I think I'd rather the flat part of my foot than where all my, like, or like the ball of your foot. I think that'd be way worse. You know, and there's probably more space between the toes. Uh, is this one of those situations like golf balls and trees where they say a tree is like 90% air to a golf ball? You ever hear that? Maybe, maybe toes are a certain percentage of air to a nail. <laughs> there's hoping to squeak one between the piggies. That's <laughs> Yep, I think I think that's what's going on. Well, uh, does walking around on tippy toes build calf strength? I uh, I would think so, uh, but but I think you're going to lose some friends. Well, I think I would lose friends if I spent. Apparently, his friends are locked in. Like they're they they're there to stay. He's already done the the calf frisking or whatever he's done to figure out who has the, the muscliest calves. It's one of those, it's one of those questions where it's a weird question, but the question is the least weird part of the question. And you want to really dive in and learn more about this whole scenario. It, it really, it does. It leaves you wanting more. Good job. Yahoo answer question person. Uh, here comes another one, Lucas, and uh, I see you've got something written for this, which is fantastic. It says, my PS4 loses its internet connection every time I use the microwave. So my question is, if I get a more powerful router, will it make my food cook slower? Now, someone did respond to this, a uh, user on Reddit, uh, Fools Gold, G-H-O-L-D, I almost wanted to say fools gould, but would that but there should have been a, a U fools in there, gould. right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so fools fools gold. Um, they wrote LOL cooking instructions. If download speed is greater than thirty megabytes a second, allow for extra minute to cook. I thought that was quite clever. That's fun because we can all enjoy it. Um <laughs> 
See, at first I was like, oh yeah, like the, the question's fine. Like he's wondering about it, you know, messing up his download speed. That makes sense. But then, but then the whole question about it slowing down his, his food in the microwave. So this guy imagines that these two things are emitting invisible, like, you know, auras or whatever, which they are, and they're like battling it out. So if one's stronger, one has to be weaker. So the good old classic, you know, router versus microwave showdown. Uh, and that reminded me of, I had a friend, uh, well, he still is my friend, uh, Mark Corkum. And when he was in high school, he said he always really wanted to put a dehumidifier and a humidifier in the same room and see who won. So I guess that's kind of what this, this person is looking for. But uh, no, I, I feel like, you know, realistically, it's probably just going to be a matter of uh, a, str- a more powerful rider. Although it might not matter. It might, it might not be powerful enough to make it, you know, count. Um, so a microwave, my understanding, and again, this is just a layman's understanding of, of microwaves and routers and all that, but that they mm-hmm. operate on the 2.4 gigahertz band, um, that they both actually share the same wavelength. And, uh, and so... You know, so for those dual routers that have a 2.4 gigahertz band and a 5 gigahertz band, oh. a, a, a 2.4 gigahertz band um, doesn't have as fast of data transmission. So, you know, uh, it reaches farther, but it's not as fast. A 5 gigahertz band reaches uh, not as far, but is faster. So in your home, if you've got a dual band router listener, switch over to that five gigahertz band, and oh. uh, and th- and then you're you know problem solved. You're not operating in the same space that your microwave is. Uh, I really don't think though that even if you got a more powerful router, it's gonna mess up your food. He, no, because if it can, if it can mess up your food, what's it doing to us? There are people who do not have microwaves for that reason. Well, I mean, they're the flat earthers of food cooking. I mean, there was a time when it was a, a pretty serious concern, right? Like, was it not? Am I am I making that up? Was there a time when when like um, containment was an issue with microwaves? They were concerned about about all that kind of coming out through the microwave. I mean, I mean, probably the way the way they kind of invented the microwave is someone was working with these like microwave dishes for like communication, and all of a sudden he noticed a chocolate bar in his pocket was melted. Uh, so I don't know what, what that guy's lifespan was working around that all the time without any shielding or anything, but probably not great. Are you making that up or is that for real? No, that's that's for realsies. And he's like, oh no, my chocolate bar melted. I think it was in World War Two. And uh, was he Swedish? Because. You sounded been. like the Swedish chef there for a second. It, Listener, it, it go was, back. And- uh, it was his name was Johan Toblerone. Uh, you've never heard of him. <laughs> uh, not, not a sponsor and or not real. Um, Both. Wow, I didn't realize that's how the microwave uh, came to be. We're actually like laying some serious knowledge on people. We're, we're we're almost like Wikipedia, but not as helpful. Very much not as helpful. Can also can, not a sponsor. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that five gigahertz band's the place you want to be at. Again, not it doesn't have as far a reach, but that gets you, you know, out of that. Unless that for some reason they start making microwaves in that space. Can I also recommend an Ethernet cable? Yeah, go wired, people. Go wired. I uh, my my in laws house. Um, I'm always looking to use the internet, use the the Wi-Fi, and. Uh, they're they're they have like a decent router, but like the reach is just garbage. Like it only it only reaches like one one chair in their living room. The rest of them, if you want to watch TV, you can't watch TV and go on Facebook, which is you know that's what it's for. Uh, so I did a little googling on it. It's like uh, don't make sure your router isn't near a fridge or near a microwave or near this kind of wall. And it was near all of those things. Like there's no way those signals are getting through. It, it's funny because uh, with my job working at the church, one of the things I have to deal with, or one of the things, not, not have to, one of the things I get to deal with, <laughs> yeah, good, good save, save uh, <laughs> is is all the, the technology part here. So, you know, all the computers and, and all the wiring and, and all that kind of stuff, the sound and all that. And so I have to be really cognizant of... Uh, where fluorescent lights are, where anything that's going to create interference and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the wiring in the walls, are there ground loops? Are there all these issues? You know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to get it all working. Um, anyway, I digress. That, that really had no bearing on this question. So my answer <laughs> is 
Ethernet cable, that PS4, and use your oven. What you need a microwave for? Take the time to use your oven and enjoy cooking again. Enjoy cooking again. Or toaster oven. Oh, remember hot dogs in a toaster oven? Um, I'd never experienced a toaster oven till university with you guys. And I did enjoy, the only thing I used it for really was cooking my hot dog buns. And I will say it took them like 10 steps up in awesomeness factor. Yeah, you can't get those in a toaster. You got to get a toaster oven. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can get them in. You just can't get them out anyway. <laughs> it's a one-way trip. It's a one-way trip. Uh, so we actually have a listener question, Lucas. And um, yeah, we'll have a few actual listener questions. We actually have listeners and they actually ask questions, which is kind of fun. Uh, I, I see that you're making a note here. Uh, a good note to make. The listener question is this. What's the best thing to do when you're feeling really distant from God? What's a good way to reconnect? Oh, I know the answer to this. You use a 5 gigahertz band instead of a 2.4 gigahertz band. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll be quiet now. I see you've got stuff to say. Well, I, 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 yeah, I see you have things. Holy smokes, you have a lot to say. Um, or just looking. This is kind of the first time Lucas and I have sat down for a while and just kind of looking at our notes. Um, you know, <clears throat> pardon me. The, the best thing to do is kind of hard because I think this is, it's like any relationship. It's kind of dependent on the, on the person. Um, but something that I think we need to understand is, is that when we feel that, that we're, that, you know, maybe God is distant or we're feeling really distant from God is to recognize the fact that it's us. It's, it's not him. Let's, let's, you know, let's, uh, let's part the curtain here and kind of see what's going on behind the scenes. Anytime that, that there have been an issue, there's been an issue where I felt distant. It's been me. I am sometimes my own worst enemy when it comes to that relationship. Um, so I think it's important for us to recognize that we are the ones that need to, to look and see, you know, what, what have I been doing or not doing that has, you know, kind of made it, made it like this. Um, you know, I often think of my own personal relationships, like with my wife, Lucas, I'm not sure, you know, kind of what you would think, but if I want to have a good relationship with my wife, it actually means me spending time with her uh, and not just talking, but listening and, and you know, loving her and, and showing her love and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think about, you know, when I feel distant from God, I start to wonder, well, how much have I been talking to God lately? Or how much have I been just listening to God? Or, or how have I shown him that I've loved him lately? And, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of some of the first things that I start to look at. And, uh, and I know that you've got a, a lot here as well, but, uh, you know, <laughs> how many of us want to have the rock hard abs without having to actually go to the gym, put the work in? You know, we, we want the quick fix. We want the, the diet supplement. We want the juice that just shreds the, the fat off. Uh, my wife the tonight. Microwave the microwave version of something. Oh, gee. My wife tonight asked me if I wanted to get up early in the morning with her and start doing these um, like aerobics videos. And my initial response was no. And then she's, and then I said, well, what time? She goes, 530. I said, no. It's like, well, maybe Double six. no. Double no. But I was sitting there and, and I was resting my hands on my stomach. I, I didn't need an armrest. I was using the top of my belly. And I was thinking, when am I ever going to put the effort in to actually lose this weight? Because until I do, nothing's going to change. I know that might seem like a, a, a reach here. But if we want to connect with God, then we need to connect with him. We need to do the things that will connect us with him. If we want that relationship, then we need to put the effort and time in um, for that relationship. Because, you know, the Bible does say this, Romans eight thirty eight to 39 says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither present nor the future, any powers, heights, depth, or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate He's there. It, it's us. So for me, I have to look at my habits and that's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's time for self-reflection. Um, what's the best thing to do when you're feeling re- really distant from God? Start looking at your habits. Start looking at your day. Start looking at your priorities. But Lucas, I know that I see uh, you've got some stuff here. So why don't you hit on a few things? 
Yeah, a lot of it would just be kind of echoing what you said, you know, <clears throat> keeping in mind that God hasn't gone anywhere that, you know, you have. And that's so looking at what has been changing your life, you know, uh, if you're, you know, if think of it like your house, you know, if you're homesick, you know, it's because you're not where you're supposed to be, not because your house has moved. Um, and one of the things you said, like, look at your habits. And I would say, look at your kind of devotion life yeah. and your prayer life, usually nine times out of 10. That might not be the, the the all of it, but that's going to be part of it. I know that when I'm spending time in prayer like I'm supposed to and spending time in the Word, uh, I'm usually not having these same kind of issues before. Um, and in fact, I've had my wife say to me, you know, like if we're having an issue or whatever, she might say, hey, when's the last time you uh, did your devotions? And I said, oh, you know, that's the... <laughs> That's, that's yeah. the winning card right there. Uh, not much to say for that. Um, well, I'm going to go do them right now, and that'll really show you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, <laughs> shoot. Um, it, but sometimes too, it's it's hard circumstances, right? Like uh, there's some some major thing that happens in your life, and that's making you feel far from God because you know life's gotten difficult. But it's it, but remember, like when the waves of your life get choppy, that you know you have one anchor, and it well, well you're, you have one, you're only supposed to have one, and there's only one that works. Um, so you, when the waves are getting kind of up and all around you, keep that eternal perspective rather than just the worldly one. A good example of that would be, you know, you lose your job. In the world, that's a huge deal. You know, a job is security, a job is status, a job is all these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so if that was your anchor, then oh, that's your whole world. It, it is in a total upheaval. But if you keep an eternal perspective, where uh, you know there's a God who created the universe who loves you, um, then yeah, it's still not fun losing your job. But you keep in mind that He has a plan for you, uh, and and you know things are going according to a plan, not just totally randomly. Uh, and when you keep in that kind of perspective, uh, it's it's. Like I said, it's just still not fun, but at least you kind of put things in the right place. You know, I think it's important to note, too, that, you know, how you're feeling is legitimate. Oh, um, yeah. Right? Like, we don't need to deny the feeling of, of this distance. So, you know, a lot of people, when they feel like that, will start beating themselves up over the fact that they feel like this. How could I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, it, and it just drives them down deeper. And the crazy thing that I've noticed sometimes is that as you start to, you know, keep putting on this baggage and and you're in the headspace of how could I do that? How could I it actually seems to push you farther away. You you feel like you almost feel like, well, why would God want me to even get closer, you know, and and all that. And you've got to get out of that headspace. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, acknowledge, yeah, you know what, you feel like that? Okay. Yes. That's a real feeling. And, but the reality is, is that God is still right there. So you can either, uh, you can either be this, a slave to your feelings or you can make your feelings a slave and recognize, you know, I feel like this, but this is not where I'm going to live. Uh, I'm, I'm going to step out and I'm going to, you know, uh, engage in, you know, Lucas, you were right on. I think nine times out of 10, when we start feeling distant, we really need to look at our devotional life. A, a lot of it hangs right there. And it's not a checklist of, well, did I, <clears throat> did I read my, uh, what was uh, daily, my daily bread? Remember the, remember those little, right? Oh yeah. Little, um, pamphlets or not pamphlets, but little booklets that would have a scripture and a little devotional thought. And, and now for some people, just it would be an exercise that they would do every morning just to get it done. Mm-hmm. If, if you're just reading your Bible, to, if you're going through your reading plan or, or whatever, and you're going through your checklist of prayers uh, just to get them done, that's not a devotional life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's almost, that's, that's kind of counter to what I think God would want for you. Uh, I'm not sure. Lucas, what do you think about that? I think it's true. If it's just becoming, that's the tricky thing about it is you want it to be a routine so you do it, but you don't want it to be a routine as in like you're going through the motions or you're just saying the same thing all the time and you want to actually think about it. Um, I try to switch it up a little bit. Like sometimes I'll be, um, I'm reading through Luke right now. Um, and I also have, it's not the daily bread, but it's basically like same similar idea to that. Yeah, and I've got uh, something so like that. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll go back and forth and it's usually I'll try t- try to do a little bit of both. Like I like having the Bible to read and kind of get my own, you know, stuff from the word, but also have someone kind of spoon feed me a little something like, Oh, here's a thought for the day. And it's something I I enjoy that, but yeah, not to make it an idol almost like I never miss my devotions ever, ever, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's not helpful. Oh, <laughs> uh, you said something that jumped that jumped at me, uh, and then I I lost my thoughts, Lucas. I lost them. Well, while while you're searching for them, I'll just uh, kind of going back to that whole thing. It reminded me of um, I'm a teacher, and you'll get these students that I've. It's not just one. I've seen it happen with a couple different students, and they get behind on their work, and you know they're kind of they're 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 distant from school. Uh, for whatever reason, and then they get upset about it, and then they they don't want to come to school because they know how behind they are, and then they they think I'll be mad at them, or they think that they'll never catch up, or you know, and everyone's you know they'll they have all these thoughts that really are just in their own head, and it's making things worse and worse. And really, the only solution, if you want to get back on track, is to come back to the place where you're where you need to be yeah right and and it's but it's hard because some people can get into a spiral where they just you know they just keep getting worse and worse off and then they get more stressed out about the work they've missed so they miss more time which makes them miss more work and spiral 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 and when they can the only way to pull out of that is just to start coming again you know and like realizing that you know your teacher is not there to get mad at you and to like point the finger at you your teacher's there to help you succeed and and but so, some students can kind of get through that and some students can't and but it's a similar thing right with god you know oh god's mad at me or no i'll never get caught up or oh i'm so far away from god or so far behind or he just wants you to to come back and yep. start from there i have never found in in those moments that god has been ever um condemning to me you know, mm-hmm. I, I can actually remember a period in my young adult life where I would look back to, oddly enough, when we were roommates, I, I just, I remember there was a period in my life as a young adult when I moved out that, you know, every night I was in a devotional, I was in the word, I was surrounded by Christian friends. And, you know, uh, if you remember, I was going to Lutz uh, Mountain, the, the Nazarene church in town every, you know, a few nights a week and was really involved and was um, just, <clears throat> for me, I was you know, I was, my, my faith was becoming my own in that time. You know, I'd moved away from home. And so I was really, it was me and God figuring a lot of stuff out. And, and I looked back on that time, um, as, as a really pivotal, pivotable, oh no, (laughs) pivotal, uh, moment in my spiritual walk. Well, um, Fast forward a few years later, I was in a dry spot where I, I felt like this. This question rings true for me. And I would look back to, and I could remember like plain as day, it was like the grass was greener on this other side way back in the past. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? How did I get there? And, and I mean, it was a, it was a long dry spell. You know, I never lost faith. You know what I mean? I still had mm-hmm. faith and I still had experience with the Lord, but it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't like it used to be. And um, and it was what you just said. It was for me going, okay, well, wh- what am I doing? It's it's time to, to, to change that and get, get engaged again. Because, exactly. I, you know, it's not like the Lord's weight, you know, it's not like he's off doing some different thing. He's He's saying, hey, I'm right here. Um, Brad, just come back. Just seriously talk to me. That's right. Just turn around. Just right. Just turn around. Uh, so I also think too, and I, I remember what my thought was, was the importance of community of the church in times like this. Um, you know, God uses and, and is using the church. We're supposed to be his hands and feet. You know, he uses some of us to be his mouthpiece. He uses some of us to be different things. Um, and and I, would, I would encourage you, if you're not, if you really are serious about reconnecting with God, yes, you need to do it on an individual level. Like there is some individual responsibility that you have. Um, but I would also really encourage you that your best chance of success is to get connected into a local group of people that believe in Jesus Christ, um, you know, and, and the scriptural truth found in the Bible. That's, that's huge. I know that when I was in high school, maybe even middle school, like, you know, I was, I was raised a Christian. I was, you know, I wasn't, you know, running away from God or anything, but like, I was kind of at a kind of more stagnant probably time in my life. And then I was at that kind of pivotal point in like late, middle, early high school where you got to kind of make it your own. And then my parents saw that like our church's youth group, I mean, they were trying, but I mean, it, it was kind of a dud and it just, you know, it's just because understaffed and all that stuff. They weren't trying to make it crappy. It just was. Um, and my parents 
We're like, okay, well, I guess if ours isn't cutting the mustard, we're going to drive you into town. And where do you want to go? And I think, it, I think I was like, Hey, can I, I have a bunch of friends going to this youth group. It's like, it's the cool youth group. It's the fun youth group. And they play ball hockey and all this kind of stuff. And like, Hey, if that's where you want to go, we'll drive you. And so, and as a kid, you never think about like how annoying that is like yeah. for your parents, but they were happy to do it, like to drive me in. And all of a sudden I get all these, you know, uh, good Christian friendships that, that develop and, you know, people I still know and talk to today that, and they made that sacrifice because they knew how important community is. Um, and so I highly recommend, like if your church doesn't have uh, a small group for you to plug into, uh, find one, right? Like even if it's not, you know, your denomination or on your side of town or whatever, it'll be worth it. And I know that my life has always been blessed by being part of that community. Like when I got, you know, old and, and married and uncool and stuff, then I, I joined, when we moved to Ottawa, my wife and I, we didn't have any, anybody there with us. And we plugged into this church and they had an, we had an awesome small group and they were a family. And, you know, we, you kind of did life together and all this stuff. And they were hugely pivotal in our lives, especially because we were newly married. Uh, and it was awesome. It was a really cool experience. It, it really does. It really makes a difference. And and you are right about crossing denominational lines. Um, you know, I grew up in the Nazarene church, but I had a lot to learn by, by being involved with and in the body of the Baptist church. Are there differences? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But there's more that we share, you know, like it, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything because I'm, I'm a quote unquote Nazarene. I'm a Christian, right? That's right. I, I'm a Christ follower. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So find, find a local church. If you are involved, if you're at a local church and you know, it's hard because the last thing we want is for someone to be what we would, you know, say is a church shopper. If they don't right. meet all your specific, uh, little needs, and I don't mean to make light of that, but if they don't, if they don't meet all your needs that you just jump ship, uh, we would never endorse that. There is, right. there is a time when, um, you know, through the leading of the spirit that maybe, maybe you are led to go to a different church. Maybe a church really isn't meeting the need that you have. And it's important enough that you do look elsewhere. But I would encourage you, if you do go to someplace, don't, don't just jump ship immediately if they don't play the same music that you like. Exactly. Um, you know, or, or if it, the preaching isn't like the preaching from wherever you used to go or something like that, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's more than just that. So, you know, um, for, for the listener, um, know that we'll be praying though, that, uh, that you start making steps, you know, even immediately. And for anyone else that maybe feels distant from God, you know, get involved in a local church and, and get that devotional life happening. And, and <clears throat> sorry, I don't mean to be clearing my throat so much. We don't have the, the secret magic pill to give you for this. Right. But there are some things that are just kind of do these. It's, it's that simple. It, it's not, yep. comp, it's not complicated. Right. Um, and again, I don't mean to make light of the question because it's in the moment it can seem like, what do I do? But it's not complicated. No. Get back, get back in touch with God. Talk to him, read, learn, get involved with, with a group of believers and you will, you will see a difference. And if you are one of those people who are, who think, you know, like this, that whole community youth group thing sounds cool, but I don't know where there even is one around me or whatever the situation is, email the podcast, email Club at gmail.com. Is that what it is? That's right. And I mean, Brad's got his finger on the pulse and he can find you one and he knows, you know, and we've, we've been around, uh, we can find you one to plug into and even, you know, make introductions if you need to, because it's, it's really an amazing thing. It is. And we definitely would do that. Um, between Lucas or I, we know probably enough people um, oh, yeah. that we could, we could definitely find somebody, a local church. Um, so that, that invitation's out there for anybody, anybody that's listening to the podcast and wants to find a local body. Um, we could certainly help you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show now where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anybody else, but won't support us financially. It's the Not A Sponsor Break. Nobody does it There's a secret star hidden in every podcast. Today's Not A Sponsor comes by way of Keurig. 
Keurig K15 is the single serve coffee maker that keeps me going during late evenings of podcasting. Unfortunately, I went to read the ad break for you and it said, we're sorry, the item you're looking for is discontinued. But ladies and gentlemen, let me bring to you the Keurig K35 Classic Series. This coffee maker is the perfect choice for when space and simplicity are important. The slender, stylish Keurig K35 Brewer is our slimmest removable reservoir coffee maker. At just over eight inches wide, it delivers the taste and convenience you expect from a Keurig Brewer without taking up too much space on your countertop. I have thoroughly enjoyed my discontinued model. The new model looks amazing, and in my opinion, nobody does it better at keeping me awake for those long podcasting times than Keurig K35, but my discontinued K15, not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, listener. It's now time for our Wesley question portion of the show. We're going to look at one of the 22 questions that John and Charles Wesley and a group of young men, they would ask each other in their accountability group in Oxford, England. And uh, we've been going through all of these and we're getting down to just a couple left. And today, Lucas, the question that they would ask each other is it seems like a really simple question and we've actually touched on it before because it kind of comes up in some different questions but the blunt question is this can i be trusted seems like a pretty um inconspicuous question yeah yeah you know when i think of the word trust uh, the, the word that actually pops into my head is, is more about the word integrity. So, you know, can I be trusted? To me, I look at that and I think, do I have integrity? Um, but the Bible talks a little bit about this. And I want to just read a couple of verses, Lucas, if I can, uh, that kind of jumped out to me when I read this question. The first one is in Luke 16, 10. It says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. You know, when I read that, I thought about, again, integrity. When I look at this question, can I be trusted? Sure, it might be, you know, if I tell you something, will you keep it to yourself? Or if I, you know, if I give you money to hold for me, will you steal it? You know, but then I think this probably goes deeper, like, hey, when you're by yourself and you're home alone, who are you? It, you know, it's one thing to be at church. It's one thing to be with a group of friends, but when it's just you, you know, can, can I be trusted? Can I, can I, Brad Silliker, be a man of integrity when no one else is around? And, and the scripture says that if I can't be in the little things, then I won't be in the big things, you know? Um, Titus 2.7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. And it continues, but I just kind of trailed off there. Um, so this question, again, of can I be trusted to me speaks of who we are on the inside. Are we honest? Um, I think that's, uh, it's, it's a tougher question than you think of at first because it, there's so many levels of, of that, like, can I be trusted with my words, both like what I say about people and the words I, you know, do I not just like, do I tell secrets? That's kind of the base level stuff, right. but also like, you know, am I a man of integrity? Um, when I, will I get work done? If you give me a job to do, can you trust me to do it? Um, and that's always the, the thing when I, uh, as a co-op teacher over the years, um, some students can be, you know, and that, and that's what, that's what employers love to see. It's like, hey, if I give them a job to do, it's done. I know it's as good as done. Or if I give them a job to do, oh, I got to check on them every you know ten minutes to make sure they're still working and not on their phone, right? Like that's someone who can't can't be trusted, right? Um, or you know even little things like being on time. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and like I like that verse. You know, if you're faithful with the little, you're faithful with the much. So someone who would steal five bucks would steal five hundred thousand dollars, right? They'll use the same kind of mental processes to do it. Sure. Uh, so we have to ask ourselves when we're doing those little character things. You know what? What what does what does that mean? And I remember um, reading somewhere they said, you know, you get ready for a big test of character by a lot of little tests of character over time. 
like those little, little bits um, of training and doing the right thing on little stuff, little stuff, little stuff. And also when the big thing happens, it's too late to train for it, right? You, you either have it or you don't at that point. Now, I kind of forget the quote, um, and I'm hoping that you might remember this, but there was a, a general once that talked about what kind of soldier he would want. And he, he talked about he wanted the soldier that made his bed every morning. Um, because it was about it was about the, being consistent in the little things that you know just kind of what you said um, amount to the big things. Um, exactly. Do you remember? Have you ever heard that one before? I haven't. If I had to guess, I would think Eisenhower or MacArthur or something. Um, but I've actually heard it's one of those like you know you're scrolling through Facebook and it'll have those little like info story things and they talk about like this is one of the habits that Navy SEALs you know credit so much with and it's like making your bed and making it well even if you go to like RCMP training at depot they make sure that you can you can make your bed extremely well uh, because it's all about that attention to detail those little things um, and just I, I can't remember if we talked about it before but you know you always hear those stories about oh this band is so so picky they own they want all the green M&Ms out of their, you know, out of their, their bowl in their dressing room. And people are like, oh, you know, people these days. But then I found out, I was reading another article talking about the reason why they do that is because bands have a, something called a rider that they send ahead of them to concerts and stuff. Yeah. And it says, okay, we need to have, you know, this kind of lighting and this kind of this and this kind of that. And it has like all the big stuff, but it also has little stuff. Like we want only green roses in the, in the room. Um, and the reason why they put weird stuff like that in is because they want to make sure the venues read the rider. So if they get to their, uh, because some of the stuff is very dangerous. Like if they don't have the right kind of power output, the whole thing could fail. Or if they're, you know, if they're doing pyrotechnics and it's done wrong, someone could get hurt. So if they, so that's a quick way for the band to know, Hey, we showed up in our dressing room and they didn't pull out the red M&Ms. They obviously didn't read that part of the contract. What else didn't they read? Uh, and once you learn that, you, it's a really smart move. So if they can't be trusted with the little things like pulling the red M&Ms out of the jar, can they be trusted with the big things like running power to our entire venue? Um, yeah, you're, you're right on there. I, uh, I did, while you were talking, I listened and I found... Um, I was hoping you would. I, I, well, I found it was Admiral McRaven. Um, he was talking to a bunch of graduates... Uh, about finding the courage to change the world. And he shared a story about how when he was going through training, every day it was required that they would make their bed. Um, and and he, this is, he's giving this to these graduates uh, that, that want to go out and do these big things. But he was saying, you know, it starts with the simple, the mundane uh, things. You know, make your bed complete a task it gives you that kind of small sense of pride to start your day but it's also it also is about training and it's about um, discipline and stuff like that so as we talk about you know am I truthful there's an awful lot of opportunities in life for us to not be truthful there's mm -hmm. an awful lot of times when questions come our way that to be truthful are uncomfortable but the more that we are truthful in the little things, the, the more likely we will be to be truthful, I think, in the big things. When, when oh, yeah. you know, like a lifetime of integrity and being honest isn't easy. But when, when the big stuff comes, then we're not going to back down. We're not going to, you know, lie because it's easier. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so make your bed. <laughs> I was uh, I was talking with a friend of mine about another person, and uh, we were talking about like, oh, this person is so great and so much potential, and it was kind of in a work scenario, and we're like kind of doing some. It wasn't just idle gossip; it was almost like a scouting report. And uh, we we're talking about this person, and th that we, the person said, uh, yeah, this person is excellent in a lot of ways, except for if they think they're in trouble or they think things are stressful, they'll tell you whatever you want to hear. Um, which is dangerous because you need to have something you, you can rely on. And, you know, it, it, it makes your life a little more comfortable telling people what they want to hear, but it doesn't make it more productive. It's not really, and sometimes it's, it's not even helpful to the person that you're telling that thing to. My, uh, t tonight, my daughter got in a lot of trouble and she wound up having to get sent to her room. And there was a whole lot that kind of happened before that, um, and, you know, she was quite upset and all this kind of thing. And so I tried to go into her room after giving her time to cool down and talk to her about some stuff, but she wasn't ready to talk. And uh, 
<clears throat> so I left and, you know, went about some different stuff and I would come back probably it took me probably three times before she was ready to have a conversation. But when I was asking her questions, I noticed that she was telling me what I wanted to hear so that everything could uh -huh. just be over and we wouldn't have to deal with it. So I had right. to tell, I had to stop and say, you know, Harmony, I don't, don't tell me what I want to hear. I want to know what you're actually feeling. I want to know why you think this is happening. Um, I want to know why you did this and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and you know, we, we often go to that place. We can go to that place. Sorry, I shouldn't say we often do. We can go to that place of, of just trying to, I just want to get this over with. So I'm just going to say what they want uh -huh. to hear, Yeah. you know, um, and th then let's move on. I see you've got a few other notes here, Lucas, that are... Uh, yeah, well, it kind of reminded me talking about uh, trust and kind of character and all that sort of thing. There's a book out by a guy named uh, Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player. And it's all about how to hire like amazing people for your team. Um, because a lot of people say, you know, it's easier to hire a good person than to try to make someone you hire good, um, both in character and just in capability. And he says, you want to look for three things, hungry, hum humble, and smart. Hungry means like they, they want to get out there and do well. Like they're hard workers. They'll get out there and like just crush it every day. The next thing is you want to, they, you want them to be humble, which means that they, they don't think less of themselves. They think of themselves less and they're always trying to share credit and, you know, take their share of the blame, that kind of thing. And then finally you have smart, which is not, not IQ, but they're people smart. Like they know when they're stepping on someone's toes, they know how to kind of like deal with people and not like offend people and all that kind of stuff. And he's, and he goes through all the different iterations of like, this is what you want, but you know, say you've got someone who's, uh, you know, they're humble and they're smart, but they're not hungry. They call them like the lovable slacker and stuff like that. Like everyone loves them, but they don't get a lot done. Yeah. And he says, one of the most dangerous combinations is if they're hungry and they're smart, because if they're hungry and they're smart, they can pretend that they're humble. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they said, and that's a huge problem because all of a sudden you have these people who don't have character, but they know enough to pretend that they, they do and that they can be. But when you get those people on the job and then all of a sudden they become a huge problem. They can, and they're tricky because they're hard to weed out of interviews. Now, in, in his scenario, he, you're talking about uh, in a workplace where you're hiring. Yes. So, mm -hmm, you know, that's right. you know the, the benefit there is even if you get a hungry and smart person, you have the benefit that you can fire them. Yeah, um, exactly. Right. But, but you know, in, in the church world where we, we work primarily with volunteers, right? you know, it is so important that when we're looking at people, and I know this isn't the, really the question, but it's so important when we're looking at people um, to make sure that, and I don't want to say that you vet them well, but that you do your due diligence and you, you get to know people because it is so much easier to get the right person on the bus than to try to get the wrong person off. Oh, big time. Espe yeah. Especially in a volunteer position, whether it's the church or whether it's, you know, some other, um, organization. Uh, so you, you know, that's hungry, humble, and smart. I'd never heard of that, but that immediately made sense. It's, it's if you're ever, anybody who's ever out there trying to hire someone, or if you're just dealing with, with, you know, volunteers or whatever, it's an excellent book. I mean, I haven't read a bad Lencioni book, but it's one of our top ones. We kind of use it as one of our playbooks when we do hiring because it's just, that's what you want to find. Yeah. Uh, so can I be trusted is a question I asked myself and, and I, and I, yeah, I, I believe that I can be trusted. You know, mm -hmm. if I, I did some introspection with this question. Um, have I always been honest? No. If I said that I was, then I wouldn't have been and we'd be caught in some kind of crazy <laughs> cycle here. That's right. Right. I, have I been perfect in this? Absolutely not. And have have any of us? No, I'm sure that none of us have. However, little by little, you make truthful decisions, even when it hurts. Yep. And, and that will lead to, you know, a life of integrity. I want to be known, you know, not, not so there can be some like, you know, I don't know, big banner, look at banner on my tombstone that says he was a man of integrity. But I want my kids to know that I was a man of integrity, mm -hmm. right? Like I want my wife to know that I'm a man of integrity, not just by what I say, but what I do. Exactly. It's one of those things that, I mean, it's so cliched, but you know, it takes a lifetime to build and only a second to ruin it. And that's one of the reasons why I try to really 
be thoughtful of things that could affect my integrity with people. You know, like um, I needed two bucks for something. So I like, I ran in and I said to to our receptionist, like, oh, we have this big bucket of change at school, like from the canteen. I said, do you mind if I just grab two bucks from this? I'll pay it back. She's like, yeah, no problem. And I knew I wouldn't intentionally not pay it back, but I knew there was a chance I would forget about the $2. Mm-hmm. So, and even though it was a little thing, I wanted to make sure it was like, Taken care of. So I wrote like I owe you two dollars, and then I put it in the little bucket. And I even like, and when I came back to pay it, I was like, "Hey, I'm paying it now." And she's looking at me like, "Why are you wasting my time with a toonie? I trust you, and I don't care." But it still was important. And then eventually got to the point where I needed two bucks again. I was like, "I don't want to go through the whole dog and pony show. I don't need the chocolate bar or whatever it is I wanted the two the two bucks for." Uh, yes, dog and pony show. Yeah. What is that? Is that a saying? Oh. Yeah, it's a saying. Hold on, for, che- uh, I'm checking Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it just means a rigmarole. Oh my goodness, dog and pony show. <laughs> rigmarole. An elaborate display or presentation, especially as part of a promotional campaign. It's got a whole Wikipedia. It's in the dictionary. How can you have that in the dictionary? Those are four separate words. Sorry, I've, I didn't mean to derail... Um, your dog and pony show. This has turned into <laughs> a dog and pony show, hasn't it? It's turned into a dog and pony show. That's all right. Now I understand. Oh, that's meta. Now I get it. Uh, sorry. Why don't you just pick up as though I had not stopped you? No, I think I think mercifully I was done with that. Just, you know, people... <sighs> the problem is sometimes it's easy to be tempted to sell your integrity or sell your, uh, your trustworthiness um, to get you out of a jam, out of a short-term problem. But um, th- what I would do and what I do for a lot of things is what will the tomorrow me wish I had done or the person a month from now wish I had done? And it's almost always the more honest uh, thing. And, and that's a really good point. The la- I, to me, the last thing that I want to throw out for this is also this. Remember, and this is going to sound creepy when I say it, but we're never alone. Right. Like we really aren't, you know, um, you know, someone will ask, well, would you do that? Would you do that if Jesus were beside you? Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit's right here. Uh, Exactly. Fully God with us here. So we, you know, we don't do these things alone. When we feel that we're alone, we're just not. I think it's a really good question. And you're right, Lucas, we could, I mean, we could have a whole, we could have episode upon episode on, on this question because it affects all areas of our life. Really? Yeah, it's a good one. You picked, you picked a winner. Oh, well, I mean, that wasn't that John Wesley. <laughs> Great guy, I guess. Um, so Lucas, as we begin to wrap up, why do you have to dress up for an interview when it has nothing to do with your skill set? That's a question we have coming in from Yahoo Answers. Uh, this person's wondering why uh, that that they have to dress a certain way when it has nothing to do with their skill set. What if their skill set was like a ninja? <laughs> That's right. And they were they were going for an interview at Chipotle. Should they dress for their skills? That is that is a good question. You know, I mean, ninja the ninja outfit's probably not going to get you the, hired most places. Might be a red flag. Might be. How did remember? We both we both. I know that you were disappointed when you didn't get to be on the episode where I asked a blockbuster question. So I on <laughs> purpose uh, chose this because we both had interviews at the same blockbuster. I was there before you. I'd like to think I had a little bit of influence in maybe getting you your job. You gave me the scouting report as to what to expect in the group interview. What to expect when expecting a job at Blockbuster. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I wrote the book on it. (laughs) Readership has declined in recent years. It really has. Um, Why do you have to dress up for an interview, Lucas? What's it about? What's the deal? Talk to me here. Uh, Well, I think it's just about... Can you, can you follow instructions? Can you, you, you know, it's, it's just like the whole making the bed thing. Can you be, can you be reliable with the little things so you can be reliable with the big things? Um, if, if I have someone 
that started arguing with me day one about what they had to wear, I know I'm not going to want to deal with that person because they're going to want to argue with me about why do I have to clean the bathroom this time? I think I did. I think I've done it too much. Or why do I have to do that? Like they're all of, they're in it for themselves. And what, for one thing, it, it just shows that you're willing to like, yep, this is the, the job. I mean, that's just part of it. I mean, I worked at Tim Hortons and we had a dumb uniform. Um, they, they had a visor and a tie. Uh, I don't know why we had a tie. Um, but we did. The and tie, I remember I used to use whoa, hmm? the t- you're questioning the tie and not a visor. Well, I mean, they're both ridiculous. I mean, I didn't have a lot of sun to block out of my eyes. Uh, but the tie, I mean, actually it did serve one purpose. Uh, I would use it to, uh, we used to have to take hot stuff out of the dishwasher and there's this one metal thing that was like super hot and I would use it as like a little set of oven mitts to pull it out. Uh, so that was helpful there. And then I worked at a tourist location in Windsor, Nova Scotia called Fort Edward. It's a national historic site. Great summer gig. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot because there wasn't a lot of people that showed up, but I had the world's most ridiculous uniform. I had these blue shorts and a white shirt and a Nova Scotia tartan tie, which is like this blue tartan tie, and I had and this big old Tilly hat, and I looked just seven kinds of ridiculous. But I never fought them on it. If I had, they probably would have just hired somebody else, and I would have missed out on the easiest job of my life. But when you went to apply for those jobs, did you dress up? I mean, I recognize that there's a uniform that comes with a lot of jobs. I wear a suit on Sundays here. Not all churches require that, um, nope. and and that's fine. When I so I guess you know when I came when I came here, I actually wore a suit to when I was because I wanted I I wanted to show respect. Right. And I think a lot of it too is just um, if you, what you do, what you wear doesn't tell people how skilled you are. And that's right. And, and like the question asker is right. Um, but it does show, it, it depends on the job you're hiring for. Because for example, if you deal with people, if you're in a service industry or whatever, you need to have decent appearance, right? And, and people do judge a book by their cover. And I remember at one point, you know, I didn't dress sloppy. Well, I shouldn't even say that. I didn't. I didn't dress horribly when I first started teaching. But then at one point, my my principal uh, just he said, "Hey, do you think like he's like basically trying to like rise the level of everyone?" And he goes, "Do you think you could wear a tie like maybe twice a week?" I said, "Yeah, sure." Now I could have been like, "Why do I? You have no right to ask me." Blah blah blah. I said. Sure, and I decided right there, well, if he asked me for twice a week, I'm going to do it every day but Friday. Uh, so I just started wearing ties. And then people started noticing, and some people, some parents took me more seriously. And and should they judge me by whether or not I wear a tie? No, but that that is a factor. And just like up in my personal appearance game, not that I looked awful before, but I looked a little more professional. Um, and that's, if, now if you're working like in some back office or back shop or nobody sees you, how you dress really wouldn't matter. Like for example, I've been, I've been into a place where they give, it's called computers for school and they, you know, they give away computers to people and uh, you know, you go in there and they're dressed kind of like in whatever they want because nobody sees them. They're working on computers all day. That's fine. But if you deal with people, yeah, you're going to want to dress up. But then in the interview, I don't know what this guy's interviewing for, but I think it just shows that it's like you said, a sign of respect. Absolutely. Last question. titled Swimming in Space. Say, for example, you're immortal and you're in space. How would you move around? Would you move like you're swimming or would you just float even though though you're moving? Um, Now, Lucas, you actually have some notes, so I want to toss this right back to you. I have have a couple of thoughts. Uh, Well, and and, and they're, they're around propulsion. And I'm just trying yeah, to think in space, in a vacuum, what are the only, I mean, how does propulsion work? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm with, I don't want to say it on the podcast, but I do feel that there is a, there there's is one a, thruster you could use. There's a thruster you could use. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, uh, it gives off methane and, uh, you know. Yeah, a bean-powered thruster. There you go. Um, well, I mean, the the thing with swimming is you can flap your arms, but in the, in the water you're moving stuff. In space, there's nothing to move. It's like if you flap your arms now, you're not moving it through the world because there's nothing to really push around. Uh, even there's less on Earth than there is obviously in space. 
um, you, you need to provide thrust. And my example was on the hit eighties slash early nineties show, my secret identity, um, Whoa, not a sponsor, but real good <laughs> deep cut. Thank you. Uh, it was about some, uh, rando high schooler who got zapped with some kind of proton laser, uh, whatever deus ex machina, uh, that started, that gave him some powers. Like he was really fast and I think really strong, but like different ones would kind of appear over time. It's like he was going through like super puberty. And, uh, <laughs> one of the ones was, uh, he could fly, but, but I, they actually handled it in a cool way. It wasn't like Superman flying. He couldn't just like point and go. It was, he could float when he wanted to, but then he couldn't, once he was off the ground, he couldn't touch anything. He couldn't, he had no kind of, you know, uh, power over where he was going. So he figured out that he could move himself around, but he would always have like two things, a hairspray in his backpack. And if he had to fly and it wasn't flying, it was more like controlled floating. It wasn't super fast probably didn't have a big FX budget. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he flew about as fast as an invisible wire harness could carry him. And, uh, but he would just like, like spray down and he would like go up or he could like move around with using those two spray cans, which is, is kind of similar to how actual spaceships, uh, propulsion around, I think. Yeah. Hair, thrusters. Hairspray cans that, yep. <laughs> NASA. Any gas will do. Any gas will do. There you go. <laughs> listener. That's, that's the answer to that question. Uh, you're going to need propulsion because there's nothing for you to, there's nothing for you to swim in. Uh, there's no right. layers quote unquote of water for you to swim in. Um, it's just you and the vacuum of space. <laughs> well, Lucas, um, before we wrap up and, and do our sign off here, we're going to do a couple of music recommendations and I'm going to toss something out that maybe you've heard of. Uh, hopefully you have. These two guys, uh, Brack and Dan, uh, which is short for Brackton and Daniel, uh, but but they uh, they've they've come together in this band and uh, they call it uh, Brack and then it's got an X and Dan. So I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say Brack X Dan, Brack times Dan, Brack and Dan. I know these two guys, really, really great guys. I did shoot a message off to find out how to pronounce their band name before I got <laughs> to this point. Unfortunately, did not hear back. Uh, they're probably too busy touring and doing their thing right now. Uh, but I really enjoy their music. They've got two singles out on, uh, on Spotify right now. And you can find them on YouTube. You can find them. They've got a website uh, that you can check. Google search them, Brack and Dan, and give them a listen. These are just two young guys that are really killing it with their music. Um, and just phenomenal guys as well. So my music what kind of style is it? Tell, give, us a, give us a taste. Well, you know, they've, they've kind of, hmm, hmm. How would I describe them? Now, that's good. They've kind of got, you know, they've got the, the worship kind of, huh, They've got a good Hillsong elevation worship type feel to me. If I if I had to, if I had to, uh, and you do, and I do, but but then they've done like a remix where they've got more you know like uh, uh, thicker beat and stuff like that, or they take the song that you know the remix. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like like worship Skrillex, that kind of thing. Yeah, worship Skrillex. Um, so. So you know you can you can enjoy the the tracks just as they were recorded, um, and and then you can also enjoy them on the remix on the B side if you want to say of the of the um, the record. So love it. I'm I want to toss them out and uh, and hopefully you'll look them up, listener, and enjoy them. Excellent, excellent music, and again, just really great guys. Lucas, what do you got for us? I when I read uh, your when I read yours, I almost freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I actually have two. I had one and then I added one last minute because I was like, oh yeah, shoot, I forgot about that. Uh, the first one is um, DC Talk has a, a song and I, I say new, it's not it's not even off Toby Mac's newest album, but it was like the last, I think, track on the album. I was listening to the Toby Mac and just, you know, enjoying it. Oh, uh, kind of, okay. You know, and then all of a sudden, the song comes on, I was like, oh, yes, is good, you know, whatever. And I was like, this kind of sounds like, oh, that guy kind of sounds right. like, you know, Michael Tate or oh that guy sounds like Kevin Max I'm like, oh, it is them and I like started googling I was like oh, it's DC Talk and it's funny because I mean I, I was a big DC Talk fan as any you know Christian or quasi Christian was in the mid 90s uh, they were it and, uh, but I always assume, and then that, you know, for those younger folks, they were like the Christian band, uh, the big one. And then they kind of split up to do their own solo stuff. And of course it only took one of them to be successful, Toby Mac. Uh, and although the other ones have done well as well, yes, I'm sorry, have. I shouldn't. Yes. Um, 
thank you for jumping to their defense. And uh, so they never got back together. Um, but they were never like there wasn't a fight or anything. And I was I always thought like oh if they get back together it probably won't be the same. You know they probably it'll it'll seem old or whatever. But man like that song like it's a, it's called Love Feels Like check it out and it like. It's it feels like DC talk, but it feels doesn't feel old. It feels great. I love it. Now, before you do your last one, did you know that they reunited for a tour on a cruise ship for for the Jesus Free Cruise? The Jesus Free Cruise is actually very controversial because a lot of fans like they had some kind of like website which just had like a countdown on it. I remember. And all, like everyone's like they're it's get, they're getting back together. Like it's gonna be huge and all this stuff. And everyone was all excited about it. And they're like we're doing a cruise this one time, and everyone was not super excited about it. Um, I'm, I, I wasn't annoyed by it, but you know, it wasn't a new album or whatever. They, they did with that website, what revivals and pilgrimages and, uh, you know, all kinds of different religious movements across time could not do. They united the body of Christ, regardless of denomination, <laughs> Baptist, Catholics, Wesleyans, Methodists, all everybody together in one in one chorus said yes. <laughs> and and then it was a cruise. Yeah. And then the yeah. So I mean it's you know, we'll we'll take it. And the, that one song was really cool. You know, I think every ten years they give us a song. Yeah. And it's good. I mean they're definitely going for quality over quantity. But, um and then the second one, and I threw this one in because I don't know when the next time you'll have me on, if ever again. Uh so I, I want to throw it out there. It's a Christmas album. Uh, it's called Christ Has Come by Big Daddy Weave. I think it's an older one. I don't think it's even super new, but I kind of discovered it last year. I think my parents had it at their house, and I was listening to it. And I just, it, I think it was after Christmas that I found it. But for like Boxing Week, I basically hit it hard and loved it. Uh, so as soon as like it was like like you know the day I could kind of socially acceptably listen to Christmas music. I was listening to this thing on repeat and I've just been really, really enjoying it. It's got a great sound and I think it's just a great Christmas album. Uh, so I've been, I've been enjoying that at work and, you know, on the, on the echo dot and on the Google play and all that stuff and on Spotify and yeah, it's been great. Well, that's fantastic. So Bracken Dan, DC talk and Big Daddy Weave are our music recommendations for this evening. Thank you again, Lucas, for taking your evening and spending it with myself and the listeners. And of course, we'll have you back on. We're, we're co-hosting this sucker, my friend. <laughs> um, remember, listener, that you can follow us, uh, follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OxfordHolyClub.com. Or you can also email us, as we've tossed out earlier, at OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. And if you do use those social medias, remember to use our hashtag OClub so that we get notified about what you're saying. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and we look forward to seeing you again next week right here at the Oxford Holy Club podcast. So until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.